There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Friday the 22nd of January 2010. I always suggest to newcomers to the show to go into the site cuttingthroughthematrix.com Bookmark all the other sites I have up there for future use in case the big ones go down and that way you can always download the latest shows. It's also a good idea to try these other sites for downloading once in a while because everyone tends to go into the com sites at the same time and it, it can be kind of sticky, you might see, on download. Now, the official sites I have are cuttingthroughthematrix.com, .net, .us, .ca. There's Alan Watt cuttingthroughthematrix.ca and there's also cuttingthrough.jenkness.com. The European site is Alan Watt sentinel.eu. Uh, that's a good site too, has all the same audio, it's a very dependable site for download, but has addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given over the years, and you can download them and print them up and choose from the languages of Europe. For those who get the disc burned to me and passed to me, you can get passed to them, I should say, uh, and don't use computer, they play them on CD players. You can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Astaire, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, and the number 1, P3E4N1. Uh, the tin can time is, is the start of the show where I rattle the tin can. And uh, I'll do it figuratively here, use your imagination. But basically it's for you to keep me bringing, keep bringing me to you. You're the audience. I don't get backed by any foundation, any big organization, any big company that's selling anything at all. And the ads you hear on the show are paid directly by advertisers straight to RBN to broadcast the station on satellite and so on. Pays for the staff. Uh, their board time, their board operators, and their bills. So it's up to you to keep me going, and you can go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. You can see how to pay for the books I have for sale. Remember, personal checks from the U.S. to Canada are fine. Uh, You can also use an international postal money order from your post office. Make sure it's the the pinkish-orange international communist one, not the green one. And that can be cashed in Canada. MoneyGram is good. And Western Union. Outside the Americas, same thing again. MoneyGram, Western Union, or cash, or PayPal. Now, you can donate through PayPal. You can also purchase through PayPal. If you want to purchase the books and discs I have for sale, then you can send a separate email to me, and I'll get the order out to you. We We adapt in our lives to all the new things that come along. Adaptation itself is a very old science. We're so studied uh, as human beings. We're the oldest and most studied species really on the planet. 
It wasn't until about the 1800s they started to go into the deep study of even insects. They already knew how humans behaved, especially to do with nations, uh, keeping the people occupied, busy working, producing, and obedience, ancient sciences. And yet it took off with the, the various humanitarian and social studies that broke out openly, more openly in universities about the 1800s and onwards and more so than ever, ever today. Really, academia is a big part, a very, very big part of helping plan the future on behalf of their masters, the ones who fund them, the big foundations, and the government itself. They've always been in beds with planning the future for society. And really, we're in an age, we always think of technological advances and electronics and so on. We forget about psychology itself and behavioral psychology. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just talking about how we're the most studied species on the planet and never more so really than in modern times when incredible money goes towards even more intricate studying of human behavior on individual levels, group levels and societal and even the coming world level. They're already studying the international types themselves, the ones who are the creme de la creme in their own areas who travel internationally, work internationally for the new society that's to come up in the future. This is already underway. And we tend to forget that we're always managed in some way or another by many different techniques, never mind the beginning of your indoctrination at school especially, where they say they must get you in early by a law to socialize you. What they really mean is to standardize you. That's what school is about, standardization. And again, more so today than ever before. In the 1800s and early 1900s, it was individuality really that was stressed at school and how well you could work up to the best you could be on an individual level. Today, it's all groupthink to make you more sociable. See, we're being managed now more so than ever it ties in with what uh, Charles Galton Darwin said, and others have said in the past, that the public won't need to retain their ability for self-preservation because the state will be making all their decisions for them. We're at that stage. We've been at that stage for an awful long time in actuality. For everything you can imagine, there's a government agency looking over it, especially looking over you. And... We don't live in a static society. We don't live in a society where things just evolve by by chance. You have maybe 10, 15, maybe 100 major world projects to do with bringing in a planned future on the go at the same time in any moments of the day. We, we forget that. We're taught at the level of the media indoctrination that we get. We're taught that things just happen by chance and sporadically, and governments go off and deal with the problems at the time. Hence, you have sudden terrorism, and you suddenly have to go off with massive armies over to those countries and dominate those countries to pacify them. We suddenly have to change our whole ways of living because of terrorism. It's everywhere, apparently, 
And it can go on for as long as they wish it to go on, for a hundred years if need be. So society is being changed all the time in a planned direction. We we never really see, most folk don't see where they're going. We live such short lifespans. We're consumed often with uh, just getting by, getting through the day, getting through the week for work. And we're consumed as well with our own little personal problems, your family interactions or whatever it may be. These, these basically eat up your time, worrying about money, worrying about rents or mortgages or taxes or whatever. Uh, this is how you're kept occupied through your entire life. And the big boys like it that way. When you go back into the history books, you'll find that before people could get an eight-hour day, they could work 12 to 16 hours per day. That was normal, in fact, right through the Industrial Revolution in countries like Britain. And when the Chartist movement and different movements came forward to try and get more rights for the, for the people who were living in awful squalor in, at pittance wages, uh, no welfare there if you were injured, no social security or benefits at all. In fact, you're often your family had to go down uh, the mines, for instance, if you were off sick to keep your job open. Otherwise, you lost it till you recovered. Same in factories, too. So the elites at that time wrote lots of books about what would happen if they went through with this. They thought it was a ridiculous idea to give the peasantry such time off because they might get up to no good. Because, you see, that's the class system that truly did exist, and it still does exist today. People don't like to talk about it, but it's still there. They've always looked upon the the, the bulk of the populace, the working uh, groups, as villains. And that's where the term villain came from. It meant a peasant, a serf. So if you had time off, you could maybe communicate to other people in your spare time, and you might start thinking of ways that you could start getting some power into your own hands. And in the old laissez-faire uh, liberalist, uh, capitalist uh, societies that they had, that was a no-no. Uh, it was a rather rigid, fixed society. In those days, uh, there were also other groups that had planned a particular type of future, such as the Marxist types and so on. And through uh, all the propaganda that they put out, in reality, they stand up for anybody's rights, only, only so they gain more power as an organization for themselves to overthrow the existing structure, which was pretty bad, and technically to bring in an even worse system. Because who cares to the guy at the bottom who your master is really? A master is going to be a master. So you never fall for the groups that say, yeah, we're championing, we're championing your freedoms for you, for you. Unless you're involved, you see. Uh, don't, don't give your power to someone who says, we're doing it for you. And do your homework as well. Because that's a very old technique. It's for the psychopaths to come forward in a time of crisis and say, uh, we'll do it. I, I know what to do here. I've got the plan. You back them up and you find you're often in a worse state than you started off. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty well standard, as I say. But, uh, these movements, especially one of them, did succeed in staying behind the scenes and, and promoting the big Marxist movements. It was it's odd to me to find out that Marxism is taught 
across the whole world as a good thing. Because it can only be a good thing if you take half of the rest of the writings away and only read another half. In other words, it's been censored because Marxism was to be a totalitarian type of system. It also had within its context Darwinism, pure Darwinism, and the survival of the fittest. And they did believe in Marxism, and Karl Marx said this himself, that Darwin was one of their champions. He said that um, eventually a a super elites, an elites of intelligentsia, would rule the world and rule everyone else. And part of the problem they saw at the time uh, was overpopulation, even back then, in the days of Karl Marx. It's odd to see that this this combining of overpopulation, this fear that the the previous elite already had, always, uh, was combined into Marxism. What they really meant by that was the wrong kind of people were becoming too numerous. The wrong kind. And the wrong kind were just ordinary folks who were uneducated and were pretty poor. The working types themselves. It's, It's hard for most folk to imagine that Marxism was an elitist organization that went into Soviet, um, the Soviet Union eventually, which in itself was a totalitarian organization with a small clique at the top, uh, living very high on the hog in a very rigid, conservative manner, very conservative. Everybody had to adapt into this rigid monolithic system that had been created. And these were the same guys, remember, who had, had blasted previous organizations and helped fight against them, like the Catholic Church. They complained that the Catholic Church was a monolith. They couldn't be moved, so it had to be destroyed. And they became the very same thing themselves once they were in power. It became a rigid society. All you had to do in school in the Soviet Union was to keep learning what Lenin said and what Marx said and eventually what Stalin said. Just learn what they said and parrot it and parrot it. And um, it became static. Most movements, you see, in fact, all movements become static and rigid and ruthless when they're questioned in that static phase. However, in universities across the world today, as I say, they're teaching it was a good thing. that They say it took over from Christianity, which is a bit of a nonsense because there were many movements on the go back in the 1800s to do with giving people more freedoms, uh, out, and they were outside of Marxist uh, philosophy or theosophy. And it is a, a religion, really, a belief system. And we'll never, ever know what would have happened if these other systems had risen to a good heights. We find the same thing with the Fabian socialists uh, that were set up by multi-millionaires in Britain and big players like George Bernard Shaw. They always hire the authors because the authors through fiction give you your ideals. Uh, they, they alter your behavior and your perception of things through emotion. They tie emotion with hard political facts and, and they put in such a way like a computer language that you follow it to the end and you will have the very opinion at the end they want you to have. In fact, they know you're going to have it. So Wells and uh, Shaw and many, many other uh, writers, novelists, both fiction and non-fiction, were hired by the hundreds to write the stuff that they put out for maybe 50, 60 years, shape the minds of the public. 
And the Fabian Society had direct, and this is from their own writings, they had a direct line of communications to the Kremlin for years and years. And the only problem they had at the Kremlin with the Fabian Society, it was they were always waiting for time for revolution as Fabianists uh, because Fabianists believed in doing a slow takeover from within. You get into every organization, you gradually take it over, including government itself. And that was done very successfully. Fabians agreed with all of the, the Soviet system, in fact, that they had in place. They were going to take a longer time to get there, thinking that if they could change the whole structure and perception of society in such a way that those living through a hundred years wouldn't even notice, they'd simply adapt and adapt. They'd have nothing to fight against back after these messages. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just going over a little bit of history and a little bit of facts to do with the real world, the real society in which we live, and how it's not uh, a happenstance society just fumbling along, but that it's actually planned in the direction it's going. The Fabian Society was funded by the Astor family and many other big foundations at the time. You'll find the big foundations, these private, private, non-profit, they call themselves, organizations that are really owned by either international bankers or international industrialists, and sometimes both, um, and who fund other front foundations, hundreds of them, run the world. They're unelected, but they get the voice of every news media across the world, generally because their owners also own the media, and... Um, they get on television whenever they wish to to see their, their, their latest, and that becomes the facts of life to us all. And they're not responsible to the public. We don't vote them in. They run all the non-governmental organizations that are out there, the big ones that are funded. Look into the United Nations and look at its umbrella organizations and try and count them, and I'll talk to you in a month's time after you've added them all up. These are the organizations that attend the international meetings and the exotic faraway places that most folk can't attend, but they've got the cash to do so, these poor grassroots organizations. They don't go around the doors with tin cans. They get paid salaries from these foundations. They have pension plans. They have office towers, some of them, and floors in the office towers and stacks of computers and staff. And we think that we have power, but we vote politicians in. It's such a laugh. Rockefeller himself said years ago, when he was thanking the media after one of his big meetings, I think it was a Bilderberg meeting, and he he said that uh, we could have done this without you, without the media's help in keeping silent about what the big agenda was. And he said it was far preferable, I mean, and I'm paraphrasing here, he basically said it's far preferable to have the world run by bankers and financiers, intelligentsia, than have uh, the direction of the world run and go along the road uh, directed by national uh, sovereign nations. Private organizations run us. If you notice, since before 9-11 happened, in fact, the, pro- the public-private partnerships started to 
be mentioned for the first time. I think Prince Charles was one of the first guys to make this, this new term uh, known to the public, where basically private companies, they said, were far more efficient in handling the big institutions that we have set up, like power companies. Uh, Canada, for instance, had a lot of its own taxpayer-funded power companies. Uh, same with the roadways, all of these kind of things. But it was just too inefficient, and it would be far more efficient if we sold them off, to, for peanuts, obviously, uh, to selected organizations, private companies. And then you find out that departments within governments have been doing the same darn thing for years, giving them off to private companies. We find out that parts of the military are run by part, uh, private companies. Technically, you see, we're already run by private companies. The new system that Professor Carl Quigley talked about was to be a new feudal system where the CEOs would be the new feudal overlords. That's where we are today. And they, they want a world society to rule over in their feudalistic manner. I mentioned the movie quite a few times that Rollerball it was, I think it was with Michael uh, it wasn't Kane, it was Cannes somebody called Cannes was the actor in it but uh, it was one of the first movies to come out and show you uh, a system in the future techniques that would be used uh, to keep the crowds happy how information would be limited to the general public who would not really have much interest in getting the information even if they had access to it as to what reality was and the whole point of the, the movie was to destroy individuality. Everybody had to be a team player in this world run by corporations. That was the whole point of the plot of the movie. That's worth seeing. It's astonishing, as I say, how we're given so much predictive programming from Hollywood and through novels, but then, again, not so when you go into the, the writings uh, of various books I've mentioned, such as the one America's Cultural Cold War, where the CIA, and this is declassified stuff that went into the book, uh, the author got access for the first time, and, and said that um, the CIA had run American culture since its very beginning of the setup of the CIA, and really at the end of World War II right through the whole pop, rock, uh, nihilistic art phase, all that stuff, the, the pushing promiscuity. It wasn't the left that was doing it, but it was the CIA. Who did the CIA actually work for? What is their mandate? What's their long-term goal? You think you know because you never question it. You never question it. These societies, these organizations, all work towards a common global agenda with other services or secret societies across the world like MI6, MI5, Mossad and many, many others. It's completely different from the people uh, at the bottom from their perspective. And it's on board with a, a unified world and a particular type of unified world which is under an authoritarian managed control. That's what it's about. Back with more after this break. But they funded all the authors. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about really how the world really, really is and how nothing's left to chance when it comes to managing the direction of the world, either in economy or banks and where they're going. And don't believe for a minute, no one looks after the banks and the bubbles in the stock market. Of course they do. When Greenspan came out in the 90s and told the stock market to cool it, they did. It was because it wasn't time to crash it. That's why it came out. It wasn't time to crash it then. We've been through the planned crash. And what it does to, to governments is give them far more power over the public who now owe even more and more and more. And there's children and, and great children down to the seventh or whatever is going to pay off this debt, supposedly. Supposedly. And they can bring in inflation. They can make things so expensive you stop purchasing, which is part of the agenda because we're over, uh, we've gone past the age of uh, consumerism. They've told us that over and over again. Consumerism is bad. Production is bad. Uh, the guy in charge of NASA, who's an activist for all the greenies, has got a, he's got a political position, obviously, in NASA, um, said that they should destroy their existing factories, blow up the dams, he actually said, and advocated violence by all the greenie groups to bring the U.S. back to a state of what was called its natural state, its pre-human state, you might say. These are the fanatics that are used on a lower level, mind you, not the high ones, a lower level. He's maybe the, the top at NASA, but it's still a lower level from the guys who plan it. So be very careful what you push for, and be very careful who leads you. There's a movie, it's called Land of the Blind, uh, it's a good expose on this very thing where uh, a totalitarian regime runs a small country. You will see the psychopathic personalities and, and how they behave amongst themselves at the top and how they control the public. And then they get overthrown by the revolutionaries who end up being exactly the same once they're in power. And there, as I say, there has been a group gone down through centuries who've stood up as the champions for many other groups, always kept themselves quiet, but really, uh, once systems are, are overthrown, they move in and occupy the top positions. That's what happened with the Bolshevik Revolution, too, in Russia. There already had been a revolution. The Bolshevik was really a, a coup, an overnight coup, by over just over a dozen specially trained people in the middle of the night. And they and their offspring ran the Soviet Union right up to the to, to the recent uh, recent times. Be very very careful. And getting back to this public private deal, where how can you have a democracy when so many of your institutions now are farmed out to private companies? It's beautiful in a sense because you see, in the feudal times, you you didn't have any recourse to rights of any kind. You really didn't. And uh, when governments came along in so-called democracy, the, the sham of democracy, with a glimmer of hope once in a while over the last hundred years, but not very long, we've, we've, we had always people who had, who had to answer to the public for their actions, for their governmental actions. And politicians uh, could be tossed out eventually or voted uh, out the next time when you got in a new government. 
And, of course, politicians themselves will play to the, the crowds and they'll play to the gallery at the same time. Uh, politicians will grab anything that seems to be popular. They've got posters on the go all the time. They'll grab a topic and run with it. They feel nothing themselves because they are themselves psychopathic. And personally, I think that's the only kind who go into politics in the first place, judging from my own experiences in watching them uh, all my life. But they, they know where they're going at the top level, the ones who rule all of this. And the public deals are better because, as I say, they can do certain things and you have no complaints department. The general public has no one to complain to. If they complain to their government, they say, well, we don't deal with that. It's farmed out to so-and-so. And they leave it at that. Well, maybe unless you try to get a lawsuit against this big multinational, international corporation and uh, borrow your country's uh, savings to take them on in courts, then you don't have a chance of getting addressed at all. That's why they've done this, you see. It's part of the reason they have done this. It's funny to think, and I've read the articles before, to do with game theory and how each one of us that had ever been mentioned on a census or had a birth certificate in the world was put through the RAND computers uh, as a number for predictability purposes with all the information they had on you at that time. And they tried to limit you down to uh, an organism who played games. And you only played games where you could possibly win and benefit personally. We're all reduced to a psychopathic level, which shouldn't surprise us because the guy who dreamed it up was a paranoid schizophrenic with massive psychopathic traits as well. But that's what was used during the whole Cold War to run the Western world via the RAND Corporation. Now, who is the RAND Corporation? It says on its own website, the RAND Corporation is a non-profit, here we go, non-profit research organization providing objective analysis and effective solutions that address the challenges facing the public and private sectors around the world. Who did they work with? Well, I've got the the PDF here for Obama's health care system. It's all about copying the British system and where they can cut back on all expenses for the basic minimum care. But they also do all the projections for how the government should run its security for the next hundred-odd years or more. This private, remember, private, non-profit research organization. Now, do we vote them in? No. Do we have access to what they're really up to? Not at all. And yet, in other words, they've got a free hand to work out these manipulative techniques to get the whole world to go along with the plan that they've sold the government on. This document here, too, is a PDF, and I'll put this link up for you to download it yourself, about the latest one, or one of the many latest ones, actually. They're doing ones all the time for the governments. And it's the creation of a stability police force for the United States. A stability police force. And it goes through all the reasons why they're going to justify it, justification options for creating U.S. capabilities. And if you go through it, it's about the fact that the U.S. is going to be for 50 to 100 years involved in uh, going into countries, we can call them invasions, or they'll call them policing, uh, to standardize them, basically, to totally destroy the old culture. So there's going to be a lot of flack and comeback and, and what they call insurgency for a long time to come. So what they want to do is to get this big police force, uh, a rapid response police force based in the U.S., using U.S. troops and different uh, departments 
of security and policing to work together in this. They'll always be on standby. But it says it can also work with a sim- similar organizations in other countries, but it can also be used at home as well. And I'll put the link for this one up. You can peruse it to your leisure. It's, it's the usual dry, boring stuff. Uh, and you've got to glean from it what's really... This, remember, it's available to the public, this, which means that a lot of hard stuff is taken out, harsh stuff, I should say, is taken out, it's made more palatable, but you can still read between the lines is what they're hinting at all through it. So I'll put that one up as well. Private non-governmental organization that, that advises, they're one of the top think tanks that works problems out on behalf of the government. Quite something. And, and that's how all the governments are run, by the way. See, in the old days, they used to go to the astrologer. And courts used to compete. Different courts or kingships used to, uh, kingdoms would compete for the best astrologers who could command incredible high salaries. And you, you now you can take it from two points of view. You can take it from the, the fact the king um, is in power. He's always afraid of his, his position. His courtiers around him are all living high in the hog, and they want to keep their positions too for themselves and their families. And so in those days, they got the the magic guys in, the guys who would read the stars or read crystal balls or do your charts and all that stuff and say, well, this is a good time to attack Spain or it's not, or and all that kind of stuff, you see. Because governments love to be uh, pretty certain about staying in power. That's what it's all about, staying in power. Now they use these RAND-type think tanks to do the same thing. What do you project for the next 50, 80, 100 years? So these private think tanks, they're paid incredible money (laughs) by you, the taxpayer, that most folk are oblivious of, have one project after another to, to look into, like crystal gazers doing projections on current data, media trends, Uh, world trends, and all of this kind of stuff. But they also know, obviously, the kind of world the masters want to be brought in. We're so far, so far out of the loop at the bottom. Because as I say, we work through our lives, we're worrying, we're scurrying, we're kept up and down through uh, price increases, uh, high taxation, everything goes up every year, the quality goes down. Um, we're running all the time. The more we be, we be kept running, you see, the less time we can sit and think and converse with each other on any recourse to do with what's actually happening. That suits the big boys quite merrily. And that's why they love this terrorism stuff. If you've noticed, whenever you get a lull and nothing much happens, suddenly uh, they have a threat of terrorism. Or... Remember when Bush was in, each time his poll rating dropped, nothing happened. They're changing the whole of the United States of America. They're trashing their constitution and the rights of the public. And nothing's happening. And bingo, a fuzzy video supposedly of Osama bin Laden would come out of nowhere. And uh, then the CIA would translate it. And then nationals from those countries would then give us the correct translations, which is totally different from what we were hearing from the CIA translations. They're always on cue when the polls for, for Bush was dropping. And it's the same thing with Obama, because Obama is no different. He serves the same masters. He proved it, by the way. Uh, by uh, Did he change anything to do with the banking laws? No. 
He made sure that the guys who claimed they'd lost all this dough were given your tax money to bring their kitty back up to what it should be. And now they're giving each other big fat salaries. Then you look at the string of socialists behind them that should scare the blazes out of us because these are hardened, hardened Fabian types who truly believe in the rule of the elites over the masses, the intelligentsia over the masses to do with a planned society, depopulation. For this, this Orwellian, it's not even Orwellian, it's H.G. Wells' vision of the future that he wrote about in a modern utopia. And all of this is put through, through predictive programming through movies. Everything through movies. Often years before that actual thing will come out in reality in your real life, you've had maybe ten different movies about the same kind of thing which embed in your brain the possibility this is, this, this could be normal. So when it does happen, it is normal to you. Hollywood and novelists have always been used, and that's what it said, like what it said in America's cultural cold war. They mentioned lots of the novelists and even poets and the, the guys who were doing all the art in the US, Britain and France, because they had offices all across Europe as well. They ran the culture. And everybody, as I said, thought it was the lefties that were doing it. Everybody thought it was the lefties that were pushing promiscuity and all that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, we knew darn well who was bringing in the LSD and and pushing it all over the place. Bags used to appear over university walls, garbage bags of free LSD uh, thrown out of limos to get it all going. Then the BBC, the Etonians, it was all staffed by Etonians, Promoted the, the use of it, aren't we naughty, tee hee he, program after program after program as they'd interview uh, pop stars that were falling off out of their seats. And that was happening, literally. And the laughter isn't as fun. And the promiscuity. And everybody thought it was all the lefties that were doing it. Quite fascinating, really. You have to really look into reality to find it, and it's not an easy thing to find. And even when you find a lot of information, you'll never have all of it. Never, ever have all of it. How can you have all of it when the main countries have official secrets acts where they can sign anything they don't want the public to know into law that it won't be spoken about for 50 years, and they can reclassify it at the end of 50 years? We're kept in the dark. As they tell us, as they tell us in Russellian style, that you've never had it so good, you've never had so much openness, you've never had so much freedom and such access to communication. Yeah, we get lots of data, but how much fact are we given on anything? That hasn't changed at all. And often people get confused between facts and, and data. 99.9 of all the data you're bombarded with daily is totally irrelevant to you. Part of the plan, too, years ago, was to start using communications data, television especially, not just to change the culture through comedies and shows and propaganda like detective stories, making you think that's what the police are all about, or... Uh, hospital stories, that's how the hospitals really are, as they dramatize it in fiction. Uh, It was also to make you see aspects of other cultural values across the whole planet, to bind you together across the planet. 
But in the meantime, what it leaves you with is a feeling of disassociation because you can't relate. You see it on television, but you can't relate to people over in Iraq getting bombed or people getting blown up or Afghanistan or all the previous wars before it. Vietnam was a TV show, a TV dinner time show. That's what it was to the average person across the world who come home and they'd eat their fast foods or, or whatever they were forced to eat at that time, a la Bernays style, and uh, they'd watch these stuff. Initially, they were kind of shocked when they saw some real graphic stuff uh, over in Vietnam, but eventually they could see bombs coming off, napalm, uh, burning people, and they'd sit and munch away. It became surrealistic and unreal to them, as everything on television must. Desensitization. Desensitization. But we're never given the open books to anything at all. In Canada, for instance, when Grozenko, the first Soviet uh, to cross over to Canada, actually the whole Western world, the first Soviet to come across, with whole lists of operatives within the Canadian and U.S. and British governments in high bureaucratic positions and in the military. When he came across... The Prime Minister of Canada uh, told the RCMP to, to leave him out in the cold. Maybe the communists that are looking for him will pick him up and whisk him back home. Because at that time, it was the end of World War II, we're still great pals with Uncle Joe. They hadn't turned him into the bad bear in the dialectic process yet. But eventually, he managed to write some books themselves. But they said they wouldn't declassify his stuff for 50 years, and Trudeau put another 50 years on it. Back with more after this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. I thought I'd just let that guitar wail on there because sometimes you feel like wailing, and this is the end of the week, so I'm doing my wailing stuff. And uh, But it's so, it's so important, really, to understand that we're living simply through a script. And all of the chaos and fallout and personal chaos that will hit us, too, because of the, the changes, what we're all considered and factored in before we were even born, and how to deal with the chaos was factored in before we were born. And even in timetables of integration of different parts of the world into this United Nations system was all predetermined again before we were born. If you were to take a company of strategists, uh, say like the, the Rand Corporation or the, the one who advises the Canadian military or governments, same with Britain, Department of Defence, uh, they will propose a plan. They're, they're told, this is what we want to do, so your job is to find out how to implement it. And they'll do study all these studies on how the public will probably react, different sections, factors of the public. And on paper, and they'll figure out ways of overcoming the, the reactions that will ha- come against them. And remember, they haven't even started rolling out the process to, to start it yet, to begin it. So they've covered every possible base before it even happens. 
Britain was famous for this, famous for it, and would often train even uh, some of the leaders for the top unions before they created the unions. And then it promote the creation of the unions, knowing their boy at the top was their own. And the people all followed them. The, the techniques of manipulating the public are endless and very old. So be careful, as I say, you know, if, if you stand up, you should really stand up for yourself. That's the only power you truly have. And you only can be responsible for yourself. No one else. I've mentioned before about the the Milgard experiments to do with obedience and obedience to authority. So many books have been written over the hundred years on obedience to authority. That's also what those who advise governments go by, all of these studies and experiments they've done. The reason that the majority of the public go along to get along is because it's almost through osmosis, as Jacques E. Lull said, he said that's how they're downloaded, through osmosis. They learn through osmosis, through a vague, vagueness, through all the little things that come filtering through their mind from radio, television, newspapers, magazines, because they're all telling you what is the standard way to be. And everyone knows it. This is the authorized way to be, to behave. Here are the authorized dresses for different age groups. Here's the authorized topics of conversation. And so on. If you were to ask them, why don't you talk about other aspects of society, uh, you, you'll see them getting a bit scared at times. And they couldn't explain to you why they're nervous. It's because it's outside the authorized, media-induced and promoted norm. And even that is changed and updated when it suits the masters. And you update with it till you're all normal again together. From Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>